Hello and welcome to B-Side, where we revisit business world stories. I'm Sam L. Marcello. In this episode, recorded on January 20, Business World Editor-in-Chief Willie G. Reyes and Research Head Leo Uy talk about the Philippine GDP, how and why it fell to an eight-year low of 5.9% in 2019, the economic projections for 2020, and what to look out for in the coming months. Leo, good morning. Morning. I'd just like to go through the economic data that the government reported last week because I noticed that 5.9% GDP growth in uh, 2019 that ended, was it seven years of at least 6% growth? Yeah, I think it was eight, seven eight, or eight. Yeah, seven I, or eight years. Yeah. But can you just take us through the bright spots and the weaknesses that you saw in the details of those data? Right. So from the 5.9% GDP growth in 2019, we've seen the resilience of, say, uh, the household spending component, which is really our backbone for the economy if you look at it, regardless of uh, the trends on inflation. So it remains to be the strength as well as government spending. That's despite the conversation last year surrounding whether or not the government will be able to catch up. If you look at the data, the second half pickup in government spending actually led to a full year contribution of 1.4 or 1.2 percentage points, which is only just around 0.2 percentage points lower than last year in 2018. So that's quite impressive considering the context of what the economy was going through in 2018. Another strength would be services, which is really the main engine of growth because regardless of cyclical downturns or whether or not the trend is picking up or it's slowing down, services continues to be growing. So that's the good point for 2019. When you say cyclical downturns, can you just explain that? If you're undergoing like a global economic slowdown or if you have political instability or if you have investment flight, capital flight rather. So you have a business cycle wherein you go, you undergo peaks and you undergo troughs. So regardless of where the economy is at, you, you always see services continue to grow at say six to 7% okay. every year. So as for the bad points, well, it's not government underspending that's actually the culprit here, but it's actually capital formation. If you look at the contribution to its economy... Uh, capital formation meaning private investment. Yes. So you have purchases of durable equipment, changes in inventories, intellectual property, etc., etc. In 2019, it actually declined by 0.3 percentage points. So in the 5.9, it contributed negative 0.2 or what is it? Negative 0.3. So had it not grown, at least the economy would have grown around 6.2. The negative 0.3 percentage point contribution was way lower than its 4% contribution in 2018. Mm -hmm. So from from positive 4, we're at negative 0.3. So that's that's really a big step back when you think about it. Historically, have uh, private investments always been uh, a weakness, a concern? Well, it has its episodes of ups and downs. If you look at the Pinoy administration way back in 2010 to 2016, the growth of capital formation actually went up by as much as 20%. So you're seeing that 20%, 25%, 16%. And it could go as low as 6% or 7%. But right now, 
in 2019, it's actually net a negative. So it's something that's concerning. What's behind that? Well, there are a lot of factors. I mean, you could also say that it's affected by the budget delay in 2019 because you're looking at investor sentiments and purchases of capital equipment. If you look at the trade data last year, imports have been declining for most of the year, which is, if you look at the accounting perspective, it's good since it's less of a negative for the calculation of GDP. But in the context of the build, build, build program where we would want to purchase raw materials, capital goods, it's not a good development. So I think capital formation is affected. And this is also largely the reason behind marked slowdown of manufacturing and construction. Yeah, that's partly a contributor. Uh, if you look at MISI or yung monthly integrated survey of selected industries, we've been declining for, I think, 11 or 12 straight months which is not normal for our standards. Mm -hmm. Another thing, we also have the weaknesses in manufacturing mm -hmm. last year, which I would like to emphasize because the sector tends to have um, a large multiplier effect to other industries as compared to other sectors. Mm -hmm. In what way? So for example, manufacturing tends to employ a wider pool of labor. So unlike in services where, for example, it tends to employ university graduates, and college graduates. In manufacturing, you have a wider net. So you include their vocational institutions and technical institutions. So that's one. Another thing with manufacturing is, manufacturing is a lot of demands. So if you want logistics or you want raw materials, you want capital equipment, you want utilities, the demand for manufacturing also stimulates production in other sectors, which is why it's important. Now for the actual figures in manufacturing, it actually just contributed 0.9 percentage point, which is still big relative to other subsectors. But it's actually been outpaced by trade, which grew, which contributed 1.4. Normally, you would see manufacturing being the biggest contributor, but the fact that it's been outstripped by trade is concerning. Its contribution is also the lowest since 2009. So you have a decade low contribution of manufacturing to growth. It may affect in the long run employment prospects mm -hmm. or say economic growth as a whole so that's a big concern as apart from capital formation let's go to household spending which right. as you said is the mainstay of the economy right it's one of the anchors of the economy even through tough times abroad right i noticed that household spending well it improved but only slightly Right. In 2019. And this despite the fact that inflation went back on track after 2018's multi-year highs. What happened to that? Yeah. You, you, have to, you have to see, for instance, you have to put it in the context also of uh, high satisfaction ratings for the president right. and the Duterte administration. But then you see household spending struggled a bit last year. What happened? Again, the thing with household spending is it's uh, the mainstay of the economy. So regardless of where the economy stands, it doesn't really change that much. It's stationary. To illustrate that a point, in 2018, when you have multi-high inflation, it contributed 3.8 percentage points. To economic growth. To economic growth. Uh -huh. To the 6.2 percent, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah, economic, yeah. From the 6.2 GDP growth in 2018, it contributed 3.8 of that as compared to 2017, where you have 4.1. So it's not really a steep decline um, from a, a 2017 inflation environment. Whereas in 2019, it contributed 3.9.
of the 5.9% economic growth. So we don't really worry about that because I think it's not a matter of whether consumers decrease or increase other expenses. I think it's a matter of where to allocate those resources to. So the aggregate figure doesn't really change that much. It's just on which goods to prioritize. Hmm. This administration began its stint with a dream of taking economic growth, overall economic growth, to a higher plane. Right. They were saying 7 to 8% right. average to 2022. Mm-hmm. And that would compare to the 6.2 or 6.3% average in the preceding six years mm-hmm. of the preceding administration. But last month, they had to ditch that goal. And then if you look at what has happened since 2017, which is the full year of the administration, when it came in, mm-hmm. it assumed its seat in mid-2016. Economic growth has been slowing steadily. Right. What's been happening? Is there something systemic behind that? Well, I can't say for sure, but as for the 7-8% forecast, I think it proved to be too optimistic in hindsight. But if you consider the sentiments back then, the 7.8% actually made sense in the context of catching up, say, to our ASEAN neighbors. So mm. if you want our per capita incomes to be at par with mm-hmm. ASEAN, we have to grow at, at least by 7 to 8%. That's assuming the ASEAN economies would grow by, say, 2 to 3%. And why is that important that we have to catch up with our neighbors? Well, for one, I think it's because the Philippines has one of the largest populations in the region. I think only next to Indonesia, if I'm not mistaken. So it's more of if we want to increase the living standards, we have to also increase our per capita incomes considering that we have a very high population base. Okay, back to the 7.8 if, I, if you don't mind. Because in the previous administration, uh, much of the talk has really been on government underspending. So the Pinoy administration is not spending too much, thereby missing opportunities. And even with that, the economy still grew by an average of 6.3, 6.2-6.3% from 2010 to 2016. So if you just tweak the government spending component, I think it was reasonable to assume that the economy is going to follow suit with the 7 to 8%, but obviously that hasn't happened. I think when the government downgraded their forecast, I think it's also conceding to the um, realities of, say, the ongoing trade spat and the ongoing geopolitical tensions that may affect oil prices. And also, because when you talk about uh, the trade war between US and China, for example, it has affected the demand for the global supply chain, which actually manifested in our trade data, which I forgot to mention earlier. Trade actually was a positive contributor to growth last year, but it masks the fact that both exports and imports actually slowed down. So again, in the context of infrastructure investment and capital buildup, it's not a good thing. So for the 7.8, the government would have to concede that, okay, um, the external factors wouldn't let us have the 7.8. And then you have the budget delay. We have to down- downgrade it to say, what was it? 6.5 to 7.5? Yes. Uh, right. So with that target, I think it's feasible mm-hmm. because if you look at the second half of the year, last year, The fact that government spending picked up and the overall GDP picked up in the second half may prove that the first half disappointment was just one-off. 
So as for if we're asking uh, for the outlook, the optimism is still there. You've just talked about the external environment right. manifested in trade. Mm-hmm. The external environment is something we have no control over. Right. So what's within the Philippines' control? What is it that we can control that can improve our growth data, our right. growth figures? Right. So in the context of government spending, um, much talk has revolved around spending. So it's, it's not just a matter of spending or allocating a certain budget to spending, but also maybe to the absorptive capacity of government agencies to use that funding. I haven't looked at the data, but I've heard concerns regarding some government agencies not being able to spend as fast as they they could. So mm-hmm. I think it's more of an institutional aspect where government certainly has control over as compared to the trade war. Another thing is to manage inflation just to make sure that consumption growth remains robust. And then with monetary policy, maybe the central bank could also manage expectations with regard to their rate cuts because for interest rates that would affect investments so if you want to promote private investments then it's logical to have interest rates lowered mm-hmm. um, the past administration has been known or is known now for the government under which the economy right. was able to gain investment grade Mm-hmm. from the major credit raters. Right. For this administration, what do you think will it be known for? You know, we're more than halfway through its term. Right. From what you've seen, what do you think will be known as the gains of this administration? Well, for one, much of the hype has been with the Build, Build, Build program. So if they can pick it up a notch, um, I think that's going to be a legacy for them if they manage to pull it off. Because as far as we're seeing right now, the infrastructure spending hasn't been that much higher compared to what we're expecting. Apart from the Build, 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 it's really more of continuing the past programs that the previous administration had. For example, 4Ps. It's important because the effects of that would be intergenerational. It doesn't just manifest in 2010 to 2016 or 2016 to 2022, but it's crucial for the current administration to not if they're going to change something it's not just for the sake of changing it right so it's more of preserving institutions what else i think uh, yeah uh, you mentioned build 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 but i for me personally i think the other thing this administration can put forward is one of its main achievement is tax reform. Right. The main tax reform, the first one that cut personal income tax rates and increased taxes for many other products, mm-hmm. was supposed to be the most difficult of the tax reform packages. So right. they were able to get that through. Um, that was despite difficulties mm-hmm. in Congress, even if the president was supposed to have a super majority in in both houses right so for me personally i think it remains to be seen how the remaining tax reform packages mm-hmm. will fare particularly this year because in 2021 you can hardly expect any major tax reform to go through congress it was 2021 that's a year before the presidential elections and usually right. historically yeah, yeah, yeah. nothing happens in congress uh, yeah. a year before elections 
besides that, is there anything else that we're forgetting? Right. Yeah, I just remembered. We're talking about in the context of, say, if you remember Ambition 2040. Yeah. And the, susta- uh, the, st- the Sustainable Development Goals. So I haven't looked at the figures yet, but maybe that's one of the legacies that this current administration should consider is uh, to keep that progress on track. Mm-hmm. Because much of the optimism in 2010 to 2016 has been that, you know, should we maintain that pace of progress uh, up to 2040, then the Philippines is going to be to, to end up, I think, a middle income. I think that was the target. Mm-hmm. So if, say, the Duterte administration manages to not just maintain, but maybe improve on that, then that's going to count as a plus for them. And that's the bottom line, actually, of... Right. of Uh, this administration, mm-hmm. right? If I recall, they were they were targeting higher uh, plane for overall economic growth, but they said that the bottom line is that less people should be poor. Right. And it looks like from the latest figures that they're on track towards target as regards to the poverty rate. Yes. Of course, there are still too many poor people right. in our country compared to our neighbors. And the same, I think, I don't recall, but you think the same can be said about unemployment and underemployment? Right, yeah. Which reminds me again, so right now we're... Because that goes to the point of whether economic growth has been able to do what it's supposed to do, which is to generate jobs. Right. So that's the thing about 2019 is that you have a slowing um, economy. At the same time, you're getting these record low underemployment and unemployment rates and you also have decrease of poverty incidents in 2018 as compared to 2015 so with growth while it may not be a sufficient condition for development it's still necessary if you want to to have those uh, positive outcomes so if we continue to be to have that decelerating path up to 2022 then it may put those gains in jeopardy So those are the plus and the minuses of last year's uh, economic data. Yeah, so despite the optimism, the government has a tall order in making sure that those gains are sustained. Yeah, in the remaining two years. Right. Thank you, Leo. Thank you, really. And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard Business World Editor-in-Chief Willie G. Reyes and Research Head Leo Oy in a riveting discussion on the Philippine GDP and the country's economic prospects. This is Sam El Marcelo. Thanks for listening.